even though in our employment contracts it says you will work these days and you'll work these hours and we'll give you this amount of time off, even though our employment contracts largely are around time, what we're really employing people to do is an output, an outcome. We're we're looking for what you're going to give me and what's your productive outcome. So we're reframing it. And so what we're doing is we're shifting from measuring time to valuing time. Welcome to Problem Performers, a podcast about professionals who challenge the status quo at work. I'm Rebecca Weaver, and yes, I too have been labeled a problem performer at least once or twice in my career. But looking back, I know where it is a badge of honor. In fact, all the most interesting people I know have earned this label at some point. In reality, these are the people who challenge their workplaces to be better and do better. I think we should all aspire to be problem performers in our work lives, because the only way to make real change is by shaking things up. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am so grateful to have my guest today joining me from all the way around the world in New Zealand. Charlotte Lockhart is the CEO for the four-day week global campaign, and she works internationally to promote the benefits of a productivity-focused and reduced hour workplace. She's on the board of the Wellbeing Research Center at Oxford University and is currently working to launch pilot programs in Ireland, the US, and the UK. Charlotte, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. So I wanted to start our conversation with something that you and I both have in common, which is a battle with breast cancer. You've talked about how since your diagnosis was stage four breast cancer, you've become very focused on changing how we work. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience and how that your personal mission has has focused all of this for you? Um, well, so I actually had primary breast cancer 18 years ago when I had still had very young children. And um, one of the things that the surgeon said to me when uh, he, just before he would cut me open uh, was just it was that what we don't really know what causes it, but what we do know is stress is a leading contributor to this. And so if there was mm. one thing that I could do for myself, it would be to reduce my stress, uh, which I did for a while. You know, you're quite <laughs> good. You do what you're told. Um, I kind of forgot that piece of advice um, and then got very, very focused in on my career again and got very focused in on a whole pile of things that happened in my life. And so unsurprisingly, 18 years later, Um, I found another lump and went back to the self-same surgeon who um, sadly gave me the news that I was now stage four. And so that for those of you who don't know enough about cancer, stage four is is the stage that you're at where it's it's no longer curable. So your treatments um, are are really about prolonging life. Now, I am incredibly fortunate in that I have um, got onto this reasonably early and the, the drugs that are available now compared with an 18 years ago, um, and it's a fairly standard treatment for the type of breast cancer I have around the world, they're really quite amazing. And I've had a really good response to it. So my tumours that uh, they found have pretty much gone away for now. 
stage four isn't a go away forever thing. But then I'm just figuring that it's gone for now and I'm just going to keep going with that. Now, why that's relevant to this conversation, of course, is that it it really has focused my mind. So we were doing the four-day week journey and, and advocating for it before I had this diagnosis. But now that I know I have less time, it's made me very focused on the fact that 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 I want this for the world in my time. And, you know, I, I say I always thought I had the rest of my life to make this happen. And now I only have the rest of my life to make this happen. And so, so I don't want anybody feeling sorry. I don't tell the story for people to feel sorry for me or, or, or anything like that. But I just, I just give it for context because the lesson for you all out there, all of these listeners, uh, is that life is shorter than you might think often and when I when I mean that it's not just your physical life but it you know we're all turn around and in the blink of an eye our work life is gone I've got to my young children children that were young then of course are not now and they are growing men and uh, one of them's just recently got engaged and another one's just bought a house so they're doing all of those early stage young people things but it seems like just yesterday that they were they were the, the those those young people there, and I worked a lot through their growing up years, and I regret that. And if there was, you know, a turn back time thing, I would want to make sure that I was able to be there for them more. Now, I was fortunate; I worked for myself, so I was I, I had flexibility around my time, and I didn't miss too many sports days and things. But, but I was working long hours. I was working 70 hours a week, if not more. Um, and my children always used to joke that, you know, if you want something from mum, then ask her while she's on the phone and she'll just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and, and I think that's probably a story that a lot of working parents can, can relate to. But but in the end, what we're talking about when we're talking about the four-day week or, or some form of reduced hour work week was we're talking about rebalancing the place that work has in our lives. And if we think about it, when we first had the 40-hour work week, which Henry Ford you know, basically made a norm for the US uh, back in the 1920s and 30s, um, when we, we we had that our society was constructed differently, we we didn't have laptops and cell phones, and generally it was just dad that went to work, and he was generally home for family meals, and 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 mum did the, the the children and the and the, the the community and charity stuff, and and dad did the the work and and maybe something like um, rotary or lions or or some other sort of community thing, and and some sport or or something like that. And then roll forward and, you know, we women are naughty us, we've gone to work um, and we expect that we have the quality in that. But as a consequence, and when you add in laptops and, and you know, mobile phones and the always on culture, you add, add in all of these elements, then work's place in our lives has got out of proportion to where it should have been even with the 40-hour week. So the conversation that we're having with people is actually how do we rebalance that life for ourselves? and I use a turn of phrase a lot where, you know, when I'm talking to employers and I say, we have to remember that we borrow our people from their lives. Mm. 
So if you, I just want you to think about that, right? So we, we, we have this focus on, on people, that our, our life being, you know, everyone's it's the thing that everyone needs, but actually we, we borrow people from their lives. And so if you take that attitude to your employment and into your environment, then actually you've got to think, okay, so if the bit of someone's life that is that I have them for is for them to give me a productive outcome, then how can I do that with them that means that they can have more time away from work. And that's really what we're talking about is that rebalance of what it is. Yeah. But we're doing it without affecting productivity. We, it, you know, we, at its heart, our program is a productivity gaining program. So yeah. we, we, you know, we say to people, you need to um, join together with your people to find ways to do what your business does in less time. And how you do that really will be up to the business, your people, and your customers. I mean, don't you know? Let's not right, forget right. the customers and all of this. You know, they're kind of why we're all there. Um, but we're, you know, but it's about about management and business owners recognizing that they're in partnership with their employees. Yeah. And when you treat that relationship as a partnership and respect each other in a partnership style role, you'll actually drive things better. And that's what all the successful companies do. I mean, you look at what Unilever does and, you know, and organizations who have great company culture, they are in partnership with their people. So my goodness, there's so, so many gems in what you just said. (laughs) I want to go back. I want to go back to where we started and what you were, you know, as you're talking about these experiences with cancer, really focusing things for you. Yep. You know, really bringing things into sharp focus. And as many of our listeners are aware, I went through breast cancer treatment in 2020. So I was diagnosed at the beginning of the pandemic. And that must have been hard. (laughs) Yes. It was very much a challenge. Um, But I think for so many of us, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or dealing with a pandemic or both at the same time or... Um, you know, these kinds of experiences that we have that flip our world upside down. I think that is what so many people are going through as a result of the pandemic, you know, asking themselves very much the same questions that you were asking yourself about what do I want my legacy to be? What is the mark that I want to leave on the world? How do I want to show up for the people that I care the most about? And I think so much of that, that that is why we are talking and we're hearing so much about this great resignation right now. Yes. Um, I think it's people going through that exact same process that you're describing as well, you know, as a result of this massive global experience that we've all had together. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, the, you, a really interesting point about the great resignation because people people ask us about with the journey with the, the four-day week and, and how has the pandemic changed things. And I think that we were having future of work conversations with a lot of employers prior to the pandemic. Our, our new BC, right? Before yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, right. And, 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 and a lot of companies were on a, a journey to a better, being better employers, uh, productivity wise, but also mental health and well-being. And, and, you know, there's, there's a great quote um, that I, that I use a lot where, you know, we, we've been talking about health and safety in the workplace for so long now, but really it's just been safety. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so the pandemic has given us a renewed focus on, 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 on how we can work. Because, I mean, who'd have thought that you could run your business from home? And the CEO of Barclays Bank, uh, you know, was it was quoted as saying, um, you know, sort of after the, the the first lockdown, who knew I could run a seventy thousand person bank from my kitchen bench, and right. you know, and, and, and we never imagined that. And and one of the objections to the four day week is, you know, well, how can I measure people? And you know, I've got to be able to see them. And there's a very directive style of of leadership. Um, but what the pandemic taught us was that actually we can send everybody home and we can still run our businesses largely. I mean, let's face it, and, and you will have listeners there who are going, mm. well, not my business. But, you know, for a large part, we were able to keep businesses going. And even those businesses that uh, that, that, that that did have to shut um, during during the lockdowns, um, they've had to reform the, the way they, they work moving forward. And so we're all working differently. Yeah. But the difference is the great resignation. Mm-hmm. So prior to the pandemic, I would be having conversations. People would say to me, oh, that sounds really good, but I just don't think my work will let us do that. And I would go, well, why wouldn't you work for someone else? And that was kind of like, oh, okay. Now, of course, everyone's going, no, you can't give me the workplace that I want. I'm going to go work for someone else. Right. And that whether that be a four-day week workplace or whether that be a remote or flexible or or even a I want to come into the office every day kind of workplace, the people are choosing their workplace, not the other way around. Right. And this is a significant shift. And it's and it's global. I mean, the, the the phrase was coined in the US, but it's it's a it's an effect that's even happening here in New Zealand, right? Right. Um, where where our pandemic experience has been minimal compared with yours. So this is probably a good place to jump in, and maybe let's kind of go to the beginning and define some of what we're talking about here. Can you help define what is the four day work week? And... That's a really good question. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, so it's a it's a misnomer, really. I mean, we use four day week because it's catchy. <laughs> Everyone yes. kind of knows what it means, but in reality, what we're talking about is reducing worker time. So, in a forty hour work week uh, world, uh, we're talking about maybe having Fridays off, or some companies have Mondays off, some people take Wednesdays off. Um, so then it's a truly is four days, no matter what you're doing. Um, and then for other workplaces, it's about working five days, but finishing early or coming in late or working a shorter amount of the time of the day. And, and we recommend to companies that realistically, what you have to do is find out what works for you. So Perpetual Guardian, the, where this all started for us, we trialed a four-day week. And we had people take different days off so that we could be open five days for our customers. But what we've ended up with is a flexible, reduced hour work week because we're a company that's large enough that we can actually just say to our staff, okay, well, it's a 32-hour work week. You work amongst your teams and with your customers and with your managers um, to work out who's having what time off and when. 
Um, And a a great example of that is our IT team. So the the leader finishes work early and goes home to his children. He's got one of his team that comes in uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, having sorted everything. His wife goes off to work early, uh, sorts everything out with his daughter and walks his daughter to school and then comes to work. Now, how many fathers on your listeners there and mothers for that matter, but the fathers are going, oh, I want that. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? I had that time in the morning. It's such precious time that he has with his daughter that he would never have had otherwise. It's a gift to his wife as well because she all she has to do is get up in the morning and get herself out the door and go to work. And she's like, oh, hallelujah. Um, So so it's about finding how you do it. In India, for example, they are, they they work a forty eight hour week, and they're bringing in a, they're having whole conversations around four day week, but they're going to try and fit forty eight hours into four days, uh, which I just think is crazy. Um, you know, but but and and we have there's a large company here in New Zealand, large multinational, and they're they're. Managing director was saying to me, well, I actually know on average my people work 53 hours, so I don't know how I would get down to 32. And I went, why wouldn't you just get down to 40? Yeah. So it's about understanding that we borrow our people from their lives and actually how do we incrementally put in place the things that are necessary so that we are not working as much as we are now. And for the organisations that are overworking, then we're looking at how do we not overwork. Yeah. So to be clear, we are not talking, the recommendation is not, oh, squeeze all the hours that you were doing into fewer days in the week, right? No, no. We're talking talking about reduced Proper reduced hours. And, And another really important factor, not talking reduced pay. Yes. Yes, okay, can we so, let's so, dive into yeah. that. So let's dive into that. So 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 what happens when you and this is why the interesting thing about the way that we ran the perpetual guardian pilot and it came down to realistically Andrew's management style as to as to what happened there but the the reason why it was a success because he did this partnership thing with the people. And it was about productivity. Andrew was interested in what were the things that got in the way of our people's productivity at work? And if he, if we could give people more time off, would they be more productive? Because the things that were getting in the way of productivity in work were realistically about the things that outside of work that impact on your work time. And so the program that we run starts with businesses going through a program in terms of what is productivity in our business, how are we going to measure it, and how are we going to improve it, and how are we going to empower our people to improve it and and do all of that. And so when you look at what that productivity is and you work at how how you can do that in less time, then you are going home earlier for whatever reason or in whatever format that you that you choose. So if I am providing you with the productivity that you I was doing in five days and I'm doing it in less time, then why would you reduce my pay? Because actually, you're, you know, even though in our employment contracts it says you will work these days and you'll work these hours and we'll give you this amount of time off, even though our employment contracts largely are around time, what we're really employing people to do 
is an output, an outcome. We're, we're looking for what you're going to give me and what's your productive outcome. So we're reframing it. And so what we're doing is we're shifting from measuring time to valuing time. So that's the thing. So that's why you don't need to reduce pay. Now, 90% more of companies that go on this journey find their productivity actually goes up. And so the business is more profitable in less time. And there's all sorts of reasons, obviously, and, and your listeners will probably be able to imagine all sorts of reasons why that happens. But largely because when people know what they're supposed to do while they're there, they just get on with doing it and they're very happy to do it. And the well-being outcomes that come from this are huge. Uh, in many companies, Perpetual Guardian included, you know, we're, we're sick days, okay, global pandemic aside, um, sick days have halved. Well, so you put, you know, put in all those days that people take out of their your business because they're not well and they have. That's actually really productive for a business. Absolutely. So what you're talking about is, again, something that we've been talking about for ages, which is the shift from valuing, you know, sometimes we'll call it butts in seats, right? Mm. But the like face yeah. time equals productivity mindset and shifting that to we're focused on outcomes. We're focused on, you know, the delivery, like what is actually being produced and and delivered. Um, and what we know is that the role of leadership is so critical in reinforcing that mindset shift. Can you talk about that role in leadership and supporting this shift to a reduced work week? Yeah. So interestingly, leadership's job in this is to decide to do it. And then there's a full stop. Because actually the only people who can truly work out how to make this a success are your team. They're your people. You can't, you, you can... You know, sort of. I have you know employees that go to me. Oh, I, 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 I really don't know how I would make that work in my business. And it's like good because you're not the person who has to make that decision. Because and the companies that have either um, looked at this and then not run a pilot, and um, or have started it and then stopped doing it, all got to that position because the C-suite got in the way. The C-suite was the one that decided they were going to do it. The C-suite was the one that was decided how it was going to be done. I mean, we had one organization that, you know, they, they, they go, oh, and we're going to take Fridays off because Fridays are our least productive day. This is a business, by the way, that's open seven days a week. Um, and we're going to take Fridays off. Well, so, but then they decide they couldn't do it because they couldn't give everybody Fridays off. And it's like, well, so you're asking the wrong question. And, and Fridays are the least productive day. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Sorry, excuse my language. No, it's um, fine. But, you know, why, why are Fridays your least productive day is the question. It's because nine times out of 10, they've been followed by Monday, Tuesday, preceded by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so you get to the day, day five. Friday is nearly day five. So, you know, if you look at how you do this otherwise, um, you know, one of the, one of the, one, I mean, if I was doing this uh, for me, I would have Wednesdays off. I mean, how good is that? Work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, work Thursday, Friday. And then you can say, you're always able to say what, that you either had yesterday off or you've got tomorrow off. That would and be amazing. How, 
Yeah, and 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 if you accept that in your workforce and and and, and your listeners, you know, there'll be lots, you know, there'll, there'll be all, lots of people pondering this. In your workforce at any time, between one and four and one and five of your workforce have a, a workplace stress or mental health issue. And that's probably greater at the moment with us all having all you know coping with with life post-pandemic and having gone through it, let alone if you've had breast cancer. Oh, question. Um, so those people are already not performing to a very high standard because you just can't. Um, and we know that burnout rates are, you know, skyrocketing and unprecedented. And of course, somebody that's leading up to a burnout looks like they're hyperproductive because there's a bit of a manic phase that goes in before burnout. And no one, no one gets to, you only know you're burning out when you're burnt out. You mm-hmm. do, in the lead up to it, you think you're being highly productive and I'm really busy and, and, it's, and, you're, and, and you're often quite hyped into it. And so when, when, if we're honest with ourselves about our workforce, we have to accept that these people exist within our businesses. And so therefore, how are you going to manage that? And so if you have a workforce where 20 to 25% of them are not performing to the level that they are capable of because of the place they are in, if you give them more time to recover and more time to look after themselves, more time to eat well and exercise and engage with community and engage with all of the things that top us up, whether it be physically or emotionally or mentally, then they will perform better for you in the time that they are with you. And so by giving people, for example, a Wednesday off, then you are going to get better productivity out of them for the rest of those, the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's not rocket science. I mean, when, you know, when, when people think this through, they go, actually, I can, I can see how that would be the case. And when we talk about what we do, I mean, what we're saying is we don't have to commit to doing a four-day week just commit to doing a trial you know people and I get people who download our white paper or, or engage in going I'm just trying to convince the boss to do a four-day week I'm like no just convince them to come along to our one of our information sessions just convince them to start a trial don't worry about whether he or she uh, will do the whole thing because the trial is the thing that will give them the resources to persuade them if they are the business owner or persuade their board or their shareholders if they're not. Well, you're getting into one of the questions I was going to ask, which is, you know, what is your advice for employees who, who want to broach this topic with their boss, who, who want to get their, their company to consider this? Well, I think the key thing is to get all of the facts. So it's a couple of things, a little bit of a plug because, you know, because we have resources for you that we do that. So we have a white paper on our website, fourdayweek.com, which is number four, dayweek.com. And we also, Andrew has also written a book, which you can get on Amazon and you can get it digitally and audible. It's his voice, so you can get him to hear you. He, he can read his book to you. Um, so there is all sorts of advice on, on how to do that. But, it, but remember what your boss is actually got to do. Your boss, the CEO, if that's your boss or whoever, reports to the shareholders and the board. 
right? At their heart, they might want to create a great workplace for you and they might want to, you know, look after their customers and bits and pieces, but in the end, they are accountable to their shareholders and the board. Uh, and so therefore, what you've got to do is put together a business case for them that they can approve, that they can justify to the shareholders and the board. And so therefore, what you're saying to them is, look, we want to go on this productivity focused journey. We would like to agree that the outcome is we can go home early. Um, and the reason for doing this, of course, is that if we've got the incentive of going home early, we're going to be very incentivized to find the productivity hooks. Because if you think about it, a boss comes in the door and he goes, hey, guys, I've got these time and motion people that are coming through and I want you to guys to, uh, to, to, to be more productive in the workplace. And if a boss says that, what the people hear is you want me to do more with less and redundancies are on the way, all right, layoffs. Yes. When the boss comes in and says, hey, guys, I want you guys to be more productive because what I want to achieve is for you guys to work less. Then people go, oh, okay, well, there's really something in this for me. <laughs> and it's the employee benefit that is the most, it's the most valuable employee benefit. And it doesn't cost you anything because, you know, you'll have people out there and they're offering health and they're offering life insurances and gym memberships or this is and that is. Those are all things that cost you money. You run a, a, a reduced hour, four-day week pilot in your business, you're going to get a more productive business, more profitable business, and a happier workforce, and it won't cost you a cent. Right. So it's kind of like win-win. If I came to you and said, hey, look, I've got this great um, idea for your business, uh, it's great, great, great product and service for your business. It's going to increase your productivity by a minimum of twenty percent. You're going to give me a hearing. You're going to, you know, you're going to think it's a software, right? You're going to think I've got some technology solution that's going to, you know, disrupt your business and 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 leapfrog you into the future with something. And you'll probably get prepared to pay me quite a lot of money for this particular product to come into into my business to 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 increase my productivity by twenty percent. But when I say I'm, I'm going to increase your productivity by sending your people home, you think I'm crazy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like, it doesn't make it counterintuitive. How can my people go home and my business people profitable? Well, it is. It's one of those things that sounds a little too good to be true. This, you're going to increase my productivity and it's not going to cost me anything and people are going to be happier. Um, it does sound a bit too good to be true for people, I'm sure. Um, it does. And what that's why the safety of running a pilot yeah. is because, you know, you're only committing to running a pilot. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, we're backing that, you know, when you, when you, when, when, you know, especially if you join one of our ones, you know, so we can help you with it. But, but even if you don't, we're backing that, you, that, that, that running a pilot, you will prove it to yourself. Right, right. So what exactly is involved in a pilot? So, uh, so one of our pilots, which we run, and we're running one in the year, our first US one starts in April, we'll be running one later in the year as well. Uh, it, it, it involves a number of different things. So one is that you, you, that you get, we have, so we have various resources that, that we give you. We have business mentors that come alongside you, generally uh, other business leaders that have um, 
successfully done this. So they'll share their learnings with you. Uh, and we have, um, so, and you're, you are part of a community of other business leaders doing it all together. So you can share ideas and see what's working and what's not and why. And, and, and look at, well, this isn't quite working. Why did you, should I abandon this or should I tweak it? And so, you know, CEOs listen to other CEOs, business leaders need that. So we provide the community as far as that's concerned. And then also quite importantly for your board and for your shareholders is that we have research that you can come alongside with. So we are running a global piece of research uh, uh, with all of the pilots that we're running around the world. Um, it's being led out of Boston College, um, but we have Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge uh, helping us uh, with it as well. And so you, your experience will be studied for you. So the data that comes out, what is the impact for your business? Um, but then you'll also be able to see how that's compared with other businesses. And we're putting that together as part of a, a global piece of research. So all of the, the individual experiences will be anonymized, but it will it will give us a, a real um, insight into the, the, the true and more macro benefits of, of working less. And so that, that's what we offer. And, 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 you know, and different listeners will go, oh, I like the idea of that idea, idea of that. The bit that I think is the really important part is the, that they'll be part of a community because business leaders that we've talked to and we've coached along the way, um, that's the biggest thing. They ring us because they want help getting it across the line. They want somebody to talk to. They want to feel like they're part of something. Um, and if they don't don't talk to us, or you know, they talk to us, but then they'll still, you know, see someone else in the media is doing it, so they'll try and get hold of that CEO, and that CEO will may or may not help them. Um, and often, people are very generous with their time and and do help. Um, but this is about collecting that knowledge together in a, in a knowledge base. So the community, I think, is the most important thing. If you don't because you've missed the cutoff point. I think for joining the US pilot, you might you might actually be able to get in uh, if you if you email us quick. But um, that that pilot we've already started. There's the lead up work that you have to do before you start. But we will be running another one um, probably in Q four. I think uh, it's scheduled for. I can't can't remember. Um, and so you know any businesses that do want to do this then they should just connect in and we will we will make sure that they are they uh, have the necessary information to make the decision and if they want to they can they can join the pilot there if they don't want to so there's a um join it and they just want to give it a go on their own um there are resources obviously there's the white paper on the book and there is a um there is a you know you know do it on my own um, tab on our website, which gives people some sort of some some steps to go through. And you know, let's face it, Andrew Barnes when he did it at Perpetual Garden, he didn't have anybody to talk to. So yeah. it's you know it's not impossible to do it on your own, but um, but you know doing it with others, I think is is actually the better way of doing it. And 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 you know we we had the ability to um, have the research. Uh, ourselves um, in in New Zealand, but you know not everybody has the ability to to to, to get a research project to run alongside them as well. So it sounds like you have just an amazing volume of resources available for people, whether they're part of the official pilot or yeah. 
trying to do it on their own. Oh, well, they do, we do. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of very sensible people who know that this is the way to go. So, for example, Adam Grant is on our academic board and people like that. You know, the, you know the, these are all people that we know and respect who, uh, who have done the research themselves, who have studied the way we live and work now and know that this is, this is going to be the future for the way we work but not only that it should be the future of work i wholeheartedly believe that Mm. well charlotte this has been amazing thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and all of what you're doing this is critically important work Um, and this is something that i want every single business owner to think about I want every single business owner, regardless of industry, regardless of the type of work you're doing, I want you to seriously consider getting started with a pilot um, and doing your own trial with reduce it, reduced schedule, not just a reduced number of work days, but a reduced schedule for employees and see what kind of benefits you see within your organization. Charlotte, where can people find you if they want to connect with you or with your organization? Uh, so you, can, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, obviously. Um, I'm very easy to find on our website as well. So just um, just yeah, just connect in there. Go to fourdayweek.com, number four, fourdayweek.com. We've got a reasonable number of resources up there. Yeah, if people want to, you know, to to, to engage with, and with, with that pilot program, then there are certainly resources for them to do that. And I recommend that you get on with it because if you're in the U.S., You've, you've got a bit of a runway. If you're out internationally, then we have other pilots running a little bit later in the year too. Okay. Well, time is a wasting business owners. <laughs> Charlotte, thank you again. My pleasure. It's been wonderful talking to you all. Problem Performers is a production of HR Uprise Media, part of an organization built around a single question. What if you could have HR that works for you rather than your boss? Well, now you can with your own HR Uprise coach. Get affordable, confidential advice from an experienced HR pro who works only for you. Learn more at hruprise.com. And hey, employers, we've got you covered too. HR Uprise provides independent investigations, harassment prevention training, private employee coaching, and much more. Email us at hello at hruprise.com or visit our page at hruprise.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.